Are you already recording? Sheboygan. Yes, sir. All right. Cool, cool. We are, we are all set, ladies and gents. Welcome back. Hello. Let's, ooh, you sound you sound ravishing. Yeah, it's that AKG. Dude, that's a seriously nice mic. Yeah, it works, man. It's the a guy good condenser. I'm gonna sit back even. Yeah, you can. I have to get like right up oh, right up on this one. Oh, that's sure though. Yeah. That's how they sold it to me at Best Buy. They were like, Michael Jackson recorded thriller on this. I was like, Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm sold. Forty years ago. <laughs> no, I mean it's definitely a good mic for sure. Yeah, for sure. Hey, party city. So uh, this is my buddy Nick Siamis. What's up, guys? He's a tall gentleman. Thank you for getting my last name right, too. What? Do people say it wrong? All the time. Siamis, Siamas, Siamese. Oh, really? All the time. That's like the most common. Like, yeah, That's no one gets it right. Siamis just, maybe it's, no, maybe it's imprinted it, on my subconscious. Well, I think it's also because when we went to Yaddick together, everyone would just call me Siamis. Yeah. A lot of people did. Yeah. So, yeah, that is how we know each other. Uh, Nick, I've known you. Can you believe we've known each other a decade? Oh, wow. It has been a decade. That's yeah. Cool. I just turned 24. My first uh, time at Young Actors Theater Camp was when I was 14. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, Way then I was 15. When, yeah, dude. I yeah. still remember that. And I only showed up for like half the time, too, on that first one. And I still felt like I had been there forever. I remember that. Yeah. So Nick Nick and I know each other uh, from acting camp. And it's not like we hang out all the time. Like, even we though should. We should. But, you know, Los LA's, Angeles LA's is... fickle. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's got their own microcosm. You know, I'm up in the valley. And that's... Might oh, yeah. Well you be. might as well just live in Argentina. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, so this podcast is, uh, like we were talking about a little earlier, it's literally just me shooting the shit. Um, there's not really anything that's off limits. Uh, it just whatever you're comfortable with, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm, and, I'm an open book and I'm comfortable Good, with so everything. let's start talking some shit on people. Good. All right, who do you hate the most? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dude, you know what's weird though? I gotta, I, I gotta open up about Young Actors Theater Camp. I felt like... I feel like such a different person than then. Obviously, everyone does. Mm-hmm. But I always felt like when I went to camp, I don't know, like the the group of like the popular kids and stuff, I always felt like this need to like prove that I was like cool too. And I, you know, what's weird. I never, ever have felt pure, like I'm being peer pressured or uh, to behave a certain way, to behave a certain way until I went to theater camp, which Whoa. is ironic because it's like, be yourself, express who you really are. But I felt myself very much like I need to be the best, coolest version of myself possible. <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean, we were definitely, every every teenager is judgy as fuck. But we just so had judgy. our own. And we, we thought because our judgments weren't the same as other people's judgments, it, you know, yeah. makes it okay. Yeah. yeah, I think that's part of growing up, too, is just, like, realizing that you can kind of live your own way. And then by doing that, you attract the people you really want to be around the most. But... I'm still yeah. friends with a lot of those people. I think it's just we all kind of grew up together and exactly. learned, you know, exactly. how to behave. But I'm happy. I still contact like all of those people, which is good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, have you been to? I went to other summer camps, and so I just I love the experience of summer camp. I think that's also why I like film. You know, it's like you show up on set, you work for a week, and you get to really bond with these people because mm-hmm. you're pulling mm-hmm. like super long days. Have you been to other summer camps? Like, yeah, actually. <coughs> excuse me i'm a little sick <coughs> you're dying i'm dying here um yeah no when i was a kid pretty much from when i was like three years old up until literally my first yaddick i would go to this um summer camp that my parents would take me and uh the rest of my family to my grandparents would go uh-huh. and it was called the lair of the bear and it was essentially a uc berkeley that berkeley almost sounds alumni. like a cult the lair the lair of the bear <laughs> no it was it was great man it was literally just it's a uc berkeley alumni like getaway thing and they do like 12 weeks out of the year over summer and it's like every you know you go one week and you just keep that consistent week going and it's like god for the life of me i can't remember what week we were but I know my family was really embedded in that camp because our like out of like all the cabin numbers, we were number one. Mm-hmm. And as long as I remember going, it's like our cabin was number one because my uncle had been going forever. So you're staying in a cabin with your family? Yeah, but this is when I was a kid. So it's not like me now. And it's like, let's party. It's like, because, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I actually gave up, like, because what I thought I would do is I thought I'd just go there until I went to college, then become a counselor at that camp, mm. which is really very rambunctious if you're a counselor. And it mm. sounded like a lot of fun. But that was just when I got into Yaddick and I stopped going to to that camp in lieu of you know in favor of going to yaddick yeah and then um became a counselor there 
So yeah. yeah, you did you you did some years there, man. You did your time. Did my time, yeah. yeah I feel awesome. like the entity has changed so much now. It's so much bigger and like it's crazy. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what it's like, but no, it's funny it's, to hear like some of the people we went to the camp with are now like going back and speaking at the camp and stuff. That's yeah, like Megan. Mm-hmm. Megan is mm-hmm. uh if you guys are familiar with Megan Rosette or uh, Megan Ranks on YouTube, like she's huge now. She's got a Hulu show. <laughs> And I didn't know that. Yeah, That's dude, cool. she's on Freakish. She's like a main part. She's booked um, other jobs. If you guys hear a doggo, it's because there's a doggo named doggo. Chaco. Chaco the doggo. Chaco. Oh, get on the bed, Chaco. Oh, Dogs are always oh, getting his little toy. Oh, Chaco. <laughs> <laughs> Noisy. Noise. Dogs are seriously the best, though, dude. I love dogs, like, man. I think when I do finally get a dog, have it's you ever had be... a cat? I've had a cat. Yeah, I mean, back when I back in the Bay, we had a cat. We actually had a cat that kind of just like started living on our property, and then like we just kind of <laughs> kept it around. Like we never really fed it, but it would eat all the mice because we lived right next to a giant field, and so just live in our pool house. And then like it just kind of became our cat. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Sadly passed away. Rest in peace, Artemis. But that was several years ago now. Artemis is a great name for mm-hmm, a cat. Mm-hmm. Got was it a hunt off of artemis fowl by any chance no the god of the hunt or the goddess of the hunt i can't remember my friend oh, that's my a friend, god yeah i think it's a god my friend oh, gave it the name yeah that's a good name i like artemis it. i like, I yeah, like especially that for a cat yeah cats are the thing i don't like about cats is they look at you like they don't give a fuck cats don't give a fuck right and that's mm-hmm. what people love about cats that's what i hate about cats because mm-hmm. if i'm coming home and I am going through the effort of owning a damn pet. Like, I want that thing to run up to my face and be like, I love you, I love you, I love you. Yeah, dude, yeah. Cat, I've been reading so many stories of, like, how cats will literally go missing for, like, a year or two. Then just show up in the backyard. And <laughs> yeah. then the owner's like, oh, my God. And the cat's just like, what? I don't care, dude. What? Yeah. But actually, what's kind of funny in re- related story, my aunt and uncle got a new puppy recently. And the uncle, my uncle was walking it through this big-ass marsh that they have near their house in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. And the dog, uh, I guess, like, ran off his leash and just got lost in the marsh. And there was this huge, like, hunt for it. And a 65, like, 6,400-acre marsh. Oh, my And they God. couldn't find the dog. It was, like, three days. Like, everyone was expecting the worst. But they had this dude. I wish I could remember his name off the top. But he volunteered his drone to search the marsh. And they fucking found him. It was the crazy. Dog? They found the dog tangled in a tree. Oh, and it didn't have any no. water or food for like two days. So they found it. They got it down in the dog's back. And now it's like all over the news where oh. it was. But yeah. It's like, you know, those stories of like the dog, you know, the owner falls or whatever. And the dog, you know, goes out the back door and goes out into the street. And mm-hmm. someone sees it and they lead him to the body or whatever. It's yeah. like, man, that's amazing. Dogs I, have good instincts for they sure. They do. Well, and I also, I think there's something that I love about dogs is that They've been with they've been companions with humans forever. Mm-hmm. I mean that whole like Game of Thrones thing where they take the little wolf pups and they raise them. That's a thing that people did, you know, uh, before we domesticated these animals. We oh, really? domestic Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. Well, both... I know that's how I guess where dogs came from. Was from sure, wolves, yeah. but that's what they would do is they would you know take a puppy or like whatever situation would happen, they could take it and breed it and train it. And same with breaking horses. You know, you got to go out. You see the wild horses, you got to break them. And that's just uh, something that we're so we're so out of touch with, like, how most humans have lived their life Mm -hmm. since forever that there's just things that I feel really connect me to being a human, like the sound of the ocean, you know, or the wind through trees. It's like those sounds are things that you cannot we hear so many digital sounds, this, that and the other thing that when you hear that, I just think like, oh, my God, like human beings have heard waves crashing on the shore since forever like that connects me to my humanity in a way that's interesting you know what i mean yeah well audio is you know fascinating how like i think audio you're is a the music biggest, guy yeah so no i mean love... yes yeah, so you're talking to a guy who's made edm so the bleeps and bloops i love them but <laughs> um i think yeah i mean audio really has a very profound effect on people and especially yeah. when it comes to the subconscious and pulling out things that you can't really tap into and yeah. music just has and you know, like art in general can do that paintings can do that but i feel i get at least for me personally music is the thing that taps into that the most and it's just super interesting how like you know you can incorporate those natural sounds into songs and really get a cool kind of feel for it like i know a lot of artists nowadays will just take like random sounds that influence their life and put them in i've noticed songs. that big yeah. time i've noticed mm-hmm. that with justin bieber's friends song that came out there's so many textures you've heard friends right? i don't think so oh but... dude I'll, I'll show you exactly what i'm talking about okay um yeah. it's like there's so many little textures in the song like that almost sound like they're from a video game 
but it works so well Mm -hmm. with the music and i think music's way more layered than it seems on the surface when you're listening to it oh 100 you know when you're like oh man this song is bopping like have you ever you know what i'm talking about where you try and like listen to just the bass mm-hmm. or just the drums and you really hear the complexity going on and how it layers on top of itself it's, yeah and each individual drum sometimes yeah no there's a yeah it's, it's fascinating many it's usually hundreds of tracks too like most of these popular songs that sometimes just stuff that's you wouldn't even pick it out because you don't know to listen to it but without it the song wouldn't sound right and that's like right. the, where the subconscious comes in but that's i know what you're saying with textures like yeah like listen to i feel like there's so much little stuff happening in this you haven't heard this no i'm just curious but i'm honest are you wondering why i've been calling are you see so you're saying all those little like background like yeah 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 no i mean that's that's what's really cool is like i think a really good way of incorporating textures into songs is putting them on the beat and it seems like such a simple idea yeah but when you're really exploring those tempos and you have so many little in-betweens like you know maybe this it's like and you put it in on just the right spot it works rhythmically but if it's a tone that you're not used to hearing in a song then it just really kind of it's weird because you hear it rhythmically and it can be a drum but it's also not a drum and it just incorporates some kind of weird subconscious feeling at least for me like that's what i love i love when artists incorporate textures in these crazy interesting ways and sometimes they use sounds that are so subtle but if you know the the origin of the sound or you know what that is it really just hits you in the right way you appreciate it yeah yeah do you when you because how long you been doing music i mean i remember seven years yeah i've been producing on a computer for like seven years but i was in bands and all that and drumming since i was like 12 and that's your dad's xlr cable for the mic so your dad does music too he's been doing music his whole life just as a hobby but now they my parents play in a band together yeah no they 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 play more shows than i do (laughs) damn dude that's Mm. that's kind of freaking cute yeah so i got all my (laughs) audio proficiency from my dad but i've definitely surpassed him now in the knowledge of it yeah wow well you're probably more born into like the tech side of things you know yeah i was always a big computer nerd and i always would do like yeah there's some boards missing in the bottom part of my bed so he almost (laughs) fell into the chasm uh, yeah, there's this big-ass chocolate lab on my bed right now, for those just listening. And uh, he thinks he's a puppy, so he just crawls over everywhere. Look at my face. Do you have something to say, Chaco? Chaco, speak. Speak, Chaco. Okay, that's enough. Very interesting. <laughs> so what was that voice acting thing you were just doing? You are just doing some oh, stuff. Oh, uh, dude, thank you for asking. Because yeah. you just gave me permission to brag a whole bunch. <laughs> I'm so excited. No, I want to hear, man. I haven't okay. heard shit about what you've been doing, so... <sighs> We got some catching up to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm going to answer it in a long form way. Do it. Cool. Last year, uh, you know, I've done background work, extra work. Uh, it's good money when you're SAG, Screen Actors Guild, uh, oh, for those okay. who don't know. Uh, you get much more benefits. Like, we're talking the difference between eight bucks an hour and 20 bucks an hour, right? I mean, huge difference. So, uh, I've been doing background forever. It's a great, if you're interested in being an actor, if you're listening, it's a great way to kind of understand set dynamic, but be careful. It'll kill your soul. No. Um, like any blood sucking job does. Anyway, so I got a stand in gig, which is where you stand in the actor's place as they light and everything for a Hulu show. And it was a week long gig. And at the end, it was just, everyone on set was so cool. They were so down to earth. And when you're doing, when you're, background you're just an extra you're a human prop no one cares about you but when you're a stand-in you're technically crew so people talk to you they learn your name things like that so i promised myself at the end of that week i'm gonna give them my headshot my resume not like get an email or whatever so i sent them a pitch to myself the next week after that they offered me uh, a line on the on their next episode opposite Patton oswald very cool so immediately i'm like well fuck yeah to saying yes to opportunity because you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take exactly let's fast forward so that was you know spring of 2016 that little piece of footage that i got i put on my reel and then we've just been you know trying to pitch it my manager and i to get bigger auditions and things like that 2017 has been insane i mean i am auditioning an insane amount uh i booked two huge commercials and that's what the voiceover thing was I did this huge commercial um, 
directed by i can actually say because it's going to be this podcast will be out it's a coke commercial coming out next week dude it's like full-on short film though it's not a national it's going to be playing in the movie theaters worldwide in 160 different countries so what's the, what's the commercial the commercial is like i'm an elf and uh yeah, right <laughs> and i'm like uh you know you see this girl right here her name's kaylee she's amazing she works at the mall i work at the mall and then santa kind of actual santa like intervenes and i lie to her and i'm like yeah i've got this 30 foot tree at my house you should see it and she's like okay here's my number and then i kind of am like well shit what am i gonna do how am i gonna get a 30 foot tree and so uh that's kind of the plot. Yeah. And then Santa makes magic happen. I show up at my house. There's a 30 foot tree. The beautiful girl is standing in perfect lighting under the tree. I walk up, we hold hands, buy a Coke. <laughs> but wow. yeah, I mean, it's directed by Ted Melfi. He did Hidden Figures, oh, which was like up for the Oscars. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, so like beyond my pay grade. And I just cannot wait for this to come out. I've done two guest stars this year um on a nickelodeon show and on uh verizon's platform go 90 it's been good stuff choco ran away and we're locking him out <laughs> dude that's really cool that's so, really cool yeah man i mean i got to see a cut of it and uh looks good it looks so good and it invokes like this emotion and on top of all that i'm gonna be able to have so much footage now because the thing on Nickelodeon that I did, I'm kind of a jerk. The thing I did, or no, I'm a really nice guy. The thing I did for Verizon, I'm a jerk. And then this Coke thing is like very sweet and warm guy next door. So you're knocking out like these different types. Nice. Know? So it'll be yeah. good for your reel. Exactly. So in 2018, I'm, I'm beyond excited. My manager uh, is genuinely so kick-ass. Nice. nice. She's representing. Like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She repped um, Kelly. Uh, who's the new Asian girl in Star Wars, like the lead. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so she's just killing it, and uh, I'm beyond excited. It's my been in LA for five years. It's been grinding. It's been going. Uh, but yeah, man, like things are cool. I've been with Aubrey for three years now, which is Oh, yeah, crazy. I saw you guys celebrated that anniversary. Yeah, it's nuts. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, man. So that's kind of what's going on with me. I know you're doing music. You've yes, been sir. really passionate about it. I literally, for the people listening, your whole studio is like right behind you. Uh, oh yeah, but... yeah, just some KRK rockets, some good speakers, um, monitor, and then I built my own PC like two years ago. Well, I I had help. Uh, Was that with hard? Some friends, I didn't really have to do much. I had my friend pick out the <laughs> parts, and then once they were purchased, I paid him a little, and he put it together. So it's Score. cool and it's been it's been fantastic so it's really ch- it's like a lot of power for way less than you would expect or yeah. way less than you'd have to buy stock is it hard to keep yourself focused and motivated even when it comes to like reading a book like a book about finance that i want to read it's so hard to like say i'm gonna sit down and start you know uh how do you self-motivate how do you do that uh, for me, what I realize is motivation helps, but you can't really force true motivation. So you can't, you, you got to just work around it. Mm. And, and so what an important thing for me is, is uh, just kind of sitting down and making sure I make something. Because even if you hate it, then at least that's one less, uh, that's one more thing that sucks you're not going to make in the future. Right. And maybe you learn something good. Maybe you can mine that thing that you made later when you are more inspired. But really, it's like motivation and inspiration kind of just comes from loving doing it i guess you know for me it's always like there are just days i don't want to do it and that's fine i think it just becomes really bad when you let that become a habit Mm -hmm. and so whenever i feel that spark i always try and jump on it because Mm -hmm. that always ignites it again Mm -hmm. and so like for instance like yesterday i hadn't made music in like a week and then all of a sudden i was like i could make a beat right now and then i sat down and i finished a whole song and you know yeah so just and sometimes it just helps to get inspired or like get get a challenge going like for me i wanted to make something i'd never made before and then I uh, looked up a song that I kind of wanted to base it around because my friend said he could write some good vocals if it was similar. And um, vocals are everything now because I've been doing a lot of placement Really? Stuff. Tell me about that. Oh, like- yeah. So it's like I, I've been getting a lot of placement opportunities, which I'm still really working towards. I got one for America's Funniest Home Videos. They didn't pick it, but I was going through all their demos and they were all really cheesy, either like ska songs or like kind of like elevator music jazz over all the clips like that was the only music i could find for america's funniest videos mm-hmm. so i sent a bunch of demos of stuff that was instrumental and then they send back an Look email being you, like hustling. oh they then they send back an email being like where are the vocals and i was like what 
what really? vocals. And so I had to go back. I transformed one of the tracks into like something I could be vocally. I had a girl come over who's a fantastic singer. Song would be a pile of shit without her, but she made it sound pretty good. Uh, they didn't really pick it. And that's fine because I think what, one thing I really learned from that was just because the music that you hear might not be the same quality that you feel you could produce doesn't mean you have to emulate a shittier quality. Like you should always try and make the best you can make for every little thing. And also I've learned that quantity isn't as important as quality because if you make 10 songs and none of them get picked, it's like you don't get it. You know, it's just way better to just get one song picked at least. Sure. You know, that's, that's what really I heard good. about uh, NaNoWriMo. The National November's Writers Month. I don't know uh, it's a thing where people write a whole novel in the month of November. That's nuts. And yeah, but then it's a shit. It's. I mean, obviously, I've never done it. I'm not a novelist. But what I've heard is that y- you end up with a very rushed product uh, that has a lot of holes in it. And then when you send it to agencies, like agencies hate NaNoWriMo because then the month after November they just get slammed by all these people being like, "I wrote a book. I wrote a book. Look at my book." And yeah, it's like you want to you want to do quality. Like the first chapter, if it sucks you in, that's amazing. You know, if you're forcing yourself to. But I also, yeah. I, I I agree with forcing yourself to do something a day. And and along just, those lines too. Yeah, though, sorry, yeah. just to, before no, I forget this, yeah. I kind of want to interject with this. Uh, it's like when you, writing a book and um, or writing anything and making music is something that I never really drew a parallel to until recently. But I was an English major in college, mm-hmm. so I know a lot about writing. And I realized that that's the whole way you write is you just the best way to write is to spew everything onto the page, all of the information in your head, anything you need to get out there. It just just suck. Just make everything suck. And then the next day you come back and you look at it with the editor in mind. You're not a writer in that moment, right. you're an editor. And then right. you go back through and you do all that. And that's kind of what it, I do with music, too. It's like even if I'm not inspired necessarily or motivated, yeah. if I make something, even if it sucks, maybe the next day I can come back and fix it. Cause, and I know that's happened to me a couple times mm. where I just make something for the sake of being like, I should make something. This sucks. All right, I'm going to forget about it. You save it, close it. Two days later, three days later, you come back and you're like, okay, this part right here actually is pretty good. But this part sucks. You delete all this, move that around, make that the focal point. Did it take you, you a while to get to that point? Because I remember when I used to do like YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. I remember the first couple videos like editing. You're very much like a good editor makes the cut invisible. You know what I mean? Or like everything's a feeling. But it takes a while to develop yeah. that feel. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? What's your process like now? compared to how it was maybe when this is something where you're just like yeah i'm just gonna try like remixing these songs like this <laughs> sounds pretty cool you know do you are you a lot more surgical now because you know they say writing is rewriting where you really got to keep hammering the same thing and and improving its quality you know you're not mm-hmm. just gonna write a masterpiece i kind of liken it to muscle memory in a way where it's like mm. now that i've done it so much things that i would have to be really surgical on before I can now do in a little bit of a broader sweep. I kind of understand the sounds that need to come out. I'm a lot less specific about making one sound perfect as I am making the whole song sound right. And I mean, I still have a long way to go, of course. I still feel like there's so much more I need to learn and do. But yeah, it's more of like just from, from the beginning you don't know a lot and making music is super complicated because there's so many little things to learn in general. You have to learn music theory. You have to learn how to use whatever program you choose, which in itself is just a monstrosity. It's like something you have to figure out like learning a language. Yeah. yeah. Seriously though, Mm -hmm. like learning programs is so hard. Like after effects or what do you use for music? Fruity loops, FL studio. I love it. Yeah. No, people hate on it. But if you look at the top billboard charts right now, I think like, five or six at least are producers who use FL Studio. You know, the acting business is hard, but the music industry is like a million times harder. Oh, really? From my understanding. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've never... Dude, I've think only about been it. In music. You got Netflix, Amazon, all these streaming services. There's more work out there for actors than ever before. That's a good point. They that are certainly making point. less money, yeah. but they are like so much more opportunity. I mean, it's insane. You're competing with actors in Australia and the UK. Sure. The pool is bigger. But at the same time, it's just, yeah, it's more work. way more work where I've, I've heard the music industry is dominated by just like 10 dudes, like 10, like very, very small group of tight knit people who only help out those who they know. 
That's that's true. In the in the big scope of the music industry, it is all about who you know and the connections. And I've been very fortunate in meeting a lot of people who have been able to help me in certain ways. But at the end of the day, it's it's true. It's just you got to know the right people. But now what's really cool about music is that there's a big independent movement happening. You're seeing yeah. way more independent artists getting big. And there's yeah. way more like the thing is, uh, back in the day, a label was important because they were the only ones who could publicize you. They were the only ones that held any clout. They're the only ones that had the budget. And it's like nowadays you sell these people self-funding and like starting stuff on your own. You can just you can completely do it for free and, you know, start making money off it. It's amazing. It's pretty cool. No, we live in an age where people are slowly starting to realize that. Do you have? But, go ahead, please. Uh, but what's important about music, too, is that I guess being an actor is different than because when you want to go in the music industry, you could be, you know, there's so many different little hats you can wear. I think what's really important is being able to wear as many hats as possible. Like, that's why I like being a producer. I, I can just make a full song on my own with no help. I so and, agree. Yeah. Like, a as an actor, you have to know how to write. You have to know how to... Uh, camera technique is a skill in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Knowing how to write is so important for longevity. I mean, look at your Jason Siegels. You've got... There's so many people that uh, went from acting to writing to producing because... Uh, that's where one the big money is at and two longevity um i agree more than ever job descriptions require multiple hats you know i i go on reddit and i'll see for like the filmmakers subreddit they'll screenshot like craigslist ads for editors and it'll be like must know this program that program this program have their own equipment and be fine with five dollars an hour you know it's just like yeah it's kind of crazy it, we're living in a time right now where you really have to be multi-skilled uh, but what better place and time to be multi-skilled where the internet exists mm -hmm, and you can mm -hmm. learn anything you want. I have a lot of theories about the industry <clears throat> and about art that I want to run by you and sure. hear yours as well. I found that there are a lot of fundamentals about art that, like you were saying about novel writing and music, how there's a lot of similarities. You could say the same thing about music and painting. Like yeah, music theory and color theory, I feel like, go on where you know you've got blue and orange and they're on opposite sides of the color wheel but because of that they contrast and because they contrast it's beautiful and i think the more into your art you get the more you realize these parallels and the more you see uh music production like color where you go mm, i'm feeling this blueness from this and i need to throw in some spice and make it a little bit more fiery and it's weird. It's hard to articulate, but you really feel different senses of your art uh, in a very, it's almost like it's its own person. It's got its own personality, but you're help shaping that. Definitely. Yeah. And I think in the similar sense, it's like as you progress through your knowledge of either craft, like either painting or making music, you'll start doing the same colors, same schemes that everyone's doing uh -huh. because that's what, you know, that's what influences you that's what most people start because it's almost like an easy way to make it work and sound good in the same sense you might just be writing four chord songs in the beginning because that's kind of what you know how to make you know you can do that a lot yeah. simpler yeah but then as you progress you start taking more risks and experimenting and saying like well if i do these colors may not work together but if maybe if i put this color in between all of a sudden there's some magic that can you be happening here yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like stuff like that can be done in music where it's like you know maybe the feeling you're going towards can be shifted quickly but maybe you can make it work. And it's like, you, you have to learn the rules to break them, basically. Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. Uh, I found the more restraint you have, the more freedom there is. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. like when your parents put boundaries on you, kids, I don't think it, when you're a kid, you realize how great that is. But I mean, have you grown up with friends with no boundaries and you just see them like fly away off the deep end? It's like, bruh, what? Yeah, that's you gotta insane. keep you gotta keep yourself in check. That's really important with art too, because it's really easy to just say you're avant-garde when you're really just not even putting thought into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about well, I it's very interesting. Um Do you think we live in a time uh I was kind of thinking about Rage Against the Machine. They were so counterculture. They were so anti like government, anti all of that. I mean, their music video, the one where they were on Wall Street, remember when they did that they did like a gorilla style video where they the went song? out onto i think it's testify oh yeah and they yeah they go to wall street and they have a concert and police are trying to shut it down it's like that's a real music yeah. video yeah i feel like right now we are in a time of like it's so cool to be trendy culture is in right now not counterculture it's being sold as counterculture but it's so the mainstream it's crazy like i think just being 
mainstream is so uh, popular right now. Like, you remember the 90s with the grunge and the mohawks, mm-hmm. the black mm-hmm. pants and the chains now and the skulls and all that? It's like now maybe I'm out of that world because I'm older, but I feel like I don't see that. Like, you see kids that are uh, really paying attention to how they dress and trying to, like, look nice and presentable for their online life and their real life, you know? What's what's interesting (laughs) is it's almost like the script is flipped in the sense that now instead of culture dictating what people do, people dictate where the culture goes. And that's why the culture will go in some really crazy ways that people are like, what? Is because it's not really a thought out thing that, you know, people latched onto so much as a bunch of people latch onto an idea and then everyone tries to follow suit. And that's why you see things getting run into the ground so much more nowadays. Mm. That's why you see fandoms just fucking annoying people now. Like the Rick and Morty fandom. Like <laughs> oh. that, that used to be, I mean, I still love Rick and Morty, but now it's like all you hear about is how shitty the fandom is. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, that, you know, it's just because, you know, now that mainstream follows the culture. It's like all of a sudden they just get to beat it into the ground, especially because everyone's always late, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's... if you're late, you just pursue it in the same way. And it comes this domino effect. But... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, uh, sometimes people validate the fandoms do you know what i mean like the whole szechuan thing like got so out of hand yeah but by helping it exist like helping make szechuan come back uh you know mcdonald's is validating that fam fandom which that's a that's a rather poor example but bill burr does a great bit on mcdonald's serving breakfast Mm -hmm. and he's one of my favorite stand-up comedians he's the best and he just talks about how like people started being like hey where's breakfast and mcdonald's obliged and now they're doing like salads and you know and he's just kind of riffing of like you know people are so scared to be like no that's not how we're gonna do things um and now with the internet it's like you i mean uh we don't have to get dive too deep into this because like kevin spacey came out and said he did what he did but it was allegations and everything got ripped away from him and louis just did too and louis yeah louis just came out today and said uh it's all true what do you do you have to you have to yeah i mean it's uh man it's just crazy because once the word gets out there everything gets ripped away from them not saying they don't deserve it no they do yeah but it's just it's it's, it's unfortunate to see your your idols you know it is fall in such a horrific way because that's not okay like no you can't you can't really man there's just nothing to do especially because when he was asked about these rumors last year he just said they were lies and made up and false but now all of a sudden in this current climate he wants to come out and it's just like man it's just like same with kevin spacey it's like you just can't it's like these are serious allegations and you're not gonna you know your open honesty about things or your nonchalantness you know doesn't assist and i feel like people are just gonna throw louis under the bus hopefully i mean I, you know, I love his stand-up, but if that's what he did, it's like, and even if he is truly remorseful, it's like, you know, he's just got to take a step back now. It's like, there's not much that can... Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, he had his consequences. And, uh. If you do stuff, you get consequences. Yep. But here's what pisses me off. Hollywood protects the rest of them. It's only when you get caught is when Hollywood turns your back, fires you, gets rid of your, you yep. know, your agent, your movie deals. I mean, let's be honest, they're protecting all the rest of the sex offender pedophile yeah. guys in there right now. Yeah, protecting simply by not by finding the yes they're not they're not like guys pursuing let's keep this yeah no it's very much just like we're not this did this doesn't exist until someone knows that it does then you're dead to us you know essentially and obviously we hear about it more in hollywood this is in every industry and it really just reminds you people are a little fucked up (laughs) people are a little uh, animal still yeah you know we hold ourselves to a very high standard but we are still animals and it's people do some weird stuff what's kind of funny is in on, along that vein of where it does happen everywhere my friend uh who moved to la started working for a company i'm not going to name the company but almost within a month after they he uh, started working there the company got smashed with a giant um uh sexual assault like sexual harassment lawsuit from one of the the women who worked there uh, was like one of the bosses, one of the management. And um, apparently there's just this huge culture of like kind of like, you know, sexual harassment and growing out among the, the upper echelon of, you know, the men members. And yeah. apparently it got to the point where there were like literally beds in the office. Jesus. Yup. So that's pretty oh. fucked up. And it just shows oh like there's God. this unchecked kind of idea about, just... you know, how to behave and how to. And it's just like, I, I you know, I hope that public consciousness is opening up to that and it, it, along those same vein, you know lines you know hopefully we'll see roy moore in alabama have to answer for this and uh, then yeah, you know yeah. for it in the same way and then hopefully maybe one day we'll see trump answer for it too so 
but i know that one's yeah, a lot trickier that was motivational so. but that yeah. I, I i'm with you man uh it's very internet or excuse me it's very interesting with the internet existing because uh millennials just are turning every stone upside down i mean and it's not millennials it's it's genuinely it's the invention of social media is turning the world upside down yeah for better or for worse we're gonna get through it doesn't matter um but it's it's incredibly interesting to see the duality of identity that people are going through the the loneliness that people are feeling people are uh here's here's my theory all right so like 40 years ago, America was much more Christian philosophically. They they believed in a good and an evil and doing this and that. Um, and everyone, from my perspective, seems to be more on the same page. But now with the internet, I think we're, and everything, I think Christianity and, and America are less synonymous than ever. Mm-hmm. And I think that more belief systems and, and philosophies are taking over. Totally fine. Not a problem. Uh, but knowing and understanding philosophy is so important to having identity as a person and people aren't learning uh, that anymore because because people are growing up uh, like you know i grew up in church don't go as much i still have faith but there are other people who just yeah they just stop having faith and then when they raise a kid they're like you know uh we're fine without it and they don't raise their kid in that environment and (laughs) i I shouldn't have to defend it obviously they're gonna be great parents really doesn't matter you know what I mean, though? Where are you like, going with this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, defend the haters out there. Um, defend the haters. But it's like, grow up having a, a moral system built into you is so important. And I don't know if parents are doing that more or less now, but I know that philosophy is incredibly important to having an identity and a place in this world. And we're living in an increasingly fake world where your jobs are more and more meaningless, you're just a, more and more of a cog, we're becoming more overpopulated, where you just feel less significant. Think about back then when your mom had, you know, 10 kids and you survived out of the out of all 10, like you and your brother and your sister are the only survivors. Jesus. <laughs> Think about how much more life means to you then. Where now we're like yeah, people are so lost. There's a lot more yeah, disenfranchisement. Yes. There's a lot more fractured. Yeah, it's like people are really starting to understand that there isn't just a, a you know, sometimes there just isn't a lane for people that's, you know, I don't know. I mean, I do believe in the merits of hard work, but I also believe in the merits of starting in a place that gives you a huge advantage, which I absolutely did. And I don't take that for granted in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And I've seen people come from the depths. I've seen people who start from really good beginnings just do nothing. But at the end of the day, it's really, I feel like there's just so much disenfranchisement and people are just starting to feel way more hopeless, you know, because you see all these incredible truths about, you know, the way our system's working and things are getting so much more open-ended and you're, or, you know, these secrets are becoming more open and people are really seeing the way things work and there's so much vitriol, you know. Do you think... I personally find that, I mean, obviously ignorance is bliss, but I personally find when I'm working on improving my own life in my, in the most immediate way possible, I am the happiest where I look at people who have way too much time on their hands and they go way down the political rabbit hole and then they build so much ideology in that, that when you talk to them, all they spit at you is ideology. It's like not even them anymore. I mean, I'm sure you've met people like that. Yes. And I'm pretty fortunate that I also the majority of friends I discuss politics with will are pretty open minded on things and you can have yeah. reasonable you know, discussions. I actually have a friend who's uh, he's a really close friend of mine. A good guy did not vote for Trump. He voted for Jill Stein. I did that. But he is the one person who can always give me a good perspective as to why someone would support a Trump policy because there's some he, he overall says that he supports him last i talked to him but i know that he also protested against the daca you know reformation and the trans ban and all that you can't just lump everyone into it's so there's such a gray yeah thing where i think we're sold we're we're living in a world where it's if you're not for this ideology you're against it which just simply isn't true you have the left fighting the right and them thinking like it's this or it's that and that's just not the case like there's so much more uh middle ground than people want to believe People like having the moral high ground. People like feeling I'm right, you're wrong. I can condemn you because I've read articles that support what I believe. 
um it doesn't even matter if you actually are right that's not how you go about having a discussion yeah it just doesn't you know whether you know I have my beliefs and so, you know, there's certain people I hold more accountable than others and I'll leave it at that. But it's, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I think vitriol is a terrible way to approach anything because the more you, you know, the more you batter someone, you know, just beat them up over their beliefs, the more they actually double down. You know, that's something yeah. that, you know, you learn in psychology is people are more inclined to hold on to their beliefs the more you give them shit for it. And it just becomes this horrible cycle. And so at the end of the day, it's like, I feel like we need less vitriol and a lot more research, even if you know you are right. And especially if you know you're right, because then you don't need to approach it with vitriol, even if you are angry. And there's a lot of reasons to be angry. And I completely understand that. I'm angry sometimes over the things that happen on it's the news. Easy. It's, it's very easy. It's to very get, easy to get upset. It is. And uh, be wary of that, I would say. Yeah. I would say um, you have to overcome your own you biology in a sense. Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. I think there are things that trigger you and that wouldn't, you know, trigger someone who on the other side of the political spectrum and vice versa. I I feel so caught in the middle because my parents are conservative, grew up in a very conservative town, and then uh, coming to Los Angeles, like such a liberal left-leaning place, I feel so caught in the middle. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I see their, I see my parents' logic, and I see exactly where they're coming from. And there are multiple times when I'm like, "You're right. I can't argue with that." And there are other times where I look at the left and I see exactly where they're coming from. You know? And uh, I remember I was talking to my mom about the uh, trans bathroom issue, mm -hmm. and she was just saying like, "I don't get it. Like, why can't if you're born with a penis, just go in the men's room? You know, it's not. I, I don't care if you identify as a girl. Just like if you have that genitalia, go." And I'm like, you're saying, I told my mom, I was like, you're saying, you know, get over it. You're born a guy, go to the guy's room, right? Well, they're saying, get over it. It's my body. Get over it. And as soon as I said that, she realized like, oh, they're just like me. They're saying to the other side, get the fuck over it. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's the middle ground. And so at that point, you know, she, she had much more of a deeper understanding of like, oh, like, you know, there's not many trans trans uh, people in Grass Valley. So that's just how it goes. I mean, I know Grass Valley is a little different, too, than a lot of California. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of California is pretty conservative, very so. conservative. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, right when I said that, I kind of realized it. Yeah. The yeah. population disparity in the city is definitely anywhere you go blue, in a city. Yeah. It's going to be more left. That's just how it goes. Yeah. You know, uh, the important thing is I was listening to a podcast with Max Brooks, Mel Brooks's son. And he's a really, really smart guy. And he was saying people voted for Trump because they were left behind by change. And there was a guy who promised a time machine. He said, I'm going to take you back to the way things were. We're going to make America great again. I'm going to bring you back your jobs. And those people who felt, like you said, disenfranchised heard that. They really heard that because they were left behind in the yeah. Midwest. And that's huge. So huge. Yeah, it's just unfortunate, though. It's like he really is just like fucking all those people over policy wise. And uh -huh. then it's just being spun in a horrible way. Like these people, like, you yeah. know, a lot of those people who felt disenfranchised are not going to benefit. They would not have benefited from his repeal of Obamacare. They would not have benefited from they're not going to benefit from this tax plan if it goes through. Yeah. And it's just insane. It that, shows you how strong ideologies are. But that's the thing. And yeah, it's like, and I know there are other issues on, on the table here. It's like a lot of people give a fuck about their guns and anything that's anti-gun, they're not going to, anyone who's anti-gun, they're not going to vote in. And it's like, that's fine. Like, that's not really a debate that we're here to have. And it's like, I get it, you know? And so it, but Could you imagine time, trying to take care of a country of 300 million people? No. Nah, dude. Fucked up. Fuck that. Yeah. Even the role of president <laughs> itself just no. feels so weird. But yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like it it's like when you have Tinder, you know, when you get a Tinder, you have to be in the position in your life where you download Tinder. It's like to be a politician, you got to play ball. Yeah. You know, yeah. companies come to you and they say, you scratch our back right now and we'll scratch your back later or vice versa. It's just like, well, that's illegal. They go through a lobbyist. Oh, now it's legal. Right, right. My bad. My bad. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. No, it's just, yeah, it's fucked up. Man. It is. And, and the more I focus on how unjust and how uh, little I matter, the more upset I get. And then I just remember like, I'm awesome. I'm just going to keep living my awesome life <laughs> and like take care of my people take care of my community 
that's where that's where it starts and that's an important mindset to have but there's also good news on our end you know like if you're a liberal uh you know we just had a amazing sweep through on all these special elections you know yeah i heard a little bit about that so it's like we got um i'm so mad at myself i can't remember their names off the top now but we had the woman who um is a trans woman who beat the guy who started the trans bathroom bill Which called is... himself uh, the chief homo the... homophobe and everything uh you got the guy remember that reporter who was shot on live tv no uh, a while ago there was this uh literally on a live newscast a uh, woman was shot on tv what? by a disgruntled <gasps> former employee and her boyfriend decided to run and beat the guy who had an a rating from the nra running on an anti-gun platform uh you have this one so during the women's marches uh this guy posted one of the lawmakers i can't i feel bad i wish i could be more specific here i just don't remember off the top um one of the guys who posted uh it's like, will they be? Will the women's march be over in time for them to get back in the kitchen and make dinner or something? A woman saw that and got so mad that she ran against him and took his seat that he's held for like nine, like eighteen years or something, like Slam. fucking insane. Like, dude, like I said, millennials are fucking shit up. Mm-hmm. Well, same with like we got this huge sex oh, abuse and Chris Christie's uh, seat got taken by a Democrat. Oh, really? He's a former Wall Street banker, but which scared me at first but then you look and he wants like the 15 minimum wage he wants to legalize pot so you're wants... pretty involved you sound yeah i'm very i i follow all everyone this shit. from the bay is yeah. so involved dude well i just i i think it's fun that's the thing is it's like oh. if you don't approach it from i mean obviously there's a lot of feelings involved too but if you really approach it from this is all interesting there's a lot of you know you see the tactics on both sides you see you know the waves of influence kind of affect people and it is really interesting to me it just fascinates me i love uh, yeah. political podcasts i really enjoy trying to see both sides if possible mm. eh. i think it's just fun if you if you come at it with a i'm not going to get mad about this but i'm going to enjoy learning about you know it doesn't have to change your opinion you're just you sitting there reading something isn't going to change anything so it's like don't be upset yeah. just because you read something that you disagree with try and understand it even if you don't even if you know like this is bullshit i'm not going to agree understand intentions of the people and that Where they're really con- that can really illuminate a lot of things yeah at, if you are ever in a political scuff or any sort of belief system scuff with people, asking questions is the best thing you can do because mm-hmm. it will only make you seem like a great listener and it will only help you understand where they're coming from more. Uh, some people have said listening is the willingness to change. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think listening is the willingness to understand. And uh, mm, you des- you decide on your own if you're going to change or not. But No, that's true. You get me? It's like... I, I'm here, we're talking, and yeah, I'm going to figure out where, where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. And it is a willingness to change in a sense, but also more so to understand. I think I think yeah. I like what you say there. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? I don't know, man. Um, he, you want to hear my great theory on how the world's going to end? Let's hear it. You know how some people think it's AI? Yeah. Here's what I think it's going to be. All right. You ready for this? So, you know, I saw on Reddit that uh, we are now where we were in 1904 as far as like monopolistic companies Hmm. like there's like seven giant corporations who basically run america comcast i think viacom there's several right huge like huge huge corporations that they they run america companies Mm -hmm. yeah exactly it just keeps going up it's insane anyways so you know how they're saying robots are going to replace everyone's jobs I mean, I'm already seeing the kiosk thing at McDonald's. And, and isn't it kind of fucked up? Sorry, a little aside. Yeah, please. That we live in a society where robots doing all the work for us is a, is bad, a bad thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've definitely gone backwards somehow. Damn, but sorry, continue. No, that's yeah. brilliant. I love that. Dude, you're going to love this. Okay. So that's uh, my theory is that the war of man versus robot is going to happen because robots are going to place people they're going to feel more disenfranchised our economy and our laws are not set up for it then because they're making such a huge margin after buying your ten thousand dollar robot you don't got to pay its wages Mm -hmm. like after making such a huge margin they're going to lobby to the government and get some laws changed around so that when people revolt with all of our american guns and stuff they're going to weaponize robots and then it's going to be people of earth against ro- corporate robots what do you think uh, i think it's a smash hit and i think you need to <laughs> get it in uh, my agent's hands asap dude. Yes. have them read it i'll, yes. uh, I'll get my have my people get to your people yeah that's dude. interesting be, though yeah man. you got some uh you know those robots with the arms they have like drills 
put in like an AK-47 on the end of that, slap on like a Apple sticker. Just a spinning AK-47. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Death machines. <laughs> yep. Right. Shit, man. That's how do you think the world's gonna end? I think the world shit that is okay i think earth is gonna blow up with the sun but i think my my hope is that we will be an interplanetary human human race i don't know man i think hopefully if we follow our instincts and we become an interplanetary species intergalactic species then we can uh absolutely survive until the end of the universe that's my hopes we're an adaptive very 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 adaptive species we're like a virus and it's you know I, I firmly believe that you know there's other life out there it's like you know the fermi paradox no talk to me so the fermi paradox is this idea that there's more habitable planets in the entire universe than there are grains of sand on earth oh so statistically not only is it statistically un like very 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 statistically unlikely that we're the only ones in the universe but the fact that we haven't run into other life in the universe is statistically insane really so uh, so yeah. wouldn't that then support the idea that maybe we are more alone than we'd like to think well here there are a couple theories as to why this is they're okay. either the universe is so vast and no other species maybe we're the first so no other species has been able to um create a technology equal to us mm-hmm there's another theory that the great barrier theory which is very interesting to me which is that it kind of goes along in the same way where it's like Maybe a, t- a civilization grows and becomes, and a species grows, and it, its intelligence can only get to a certain point, or not its intelligence, just whatever it does, gets to a certain point. And whatever that point is, whether it just be war, whether it be, you know, like weapons that can annihilate their whole species at once, whether it be a natural disaster that just probability statistically will always happen on habitable planets, maybe, just there's a barrier. That every civilized uh, species in the entire universe will get to at one point hit and then that will stop them from being able to travel and interact with others. And so Mm. we need to understand or like the big question is, are we behind that barrier? Are we in front of it? Or does the barrier exist? Exactly. That's only one theory of many. Because it's just made up by a person, right? Yeah, you should definitely do some research Dang. on this. Because I can't do it justice just explaining it here. But no, I love I it. I love the Fermi paradox. I love... It's fascinating. To me. Space is fascinating. <clears throat> Space trips me up, dude. Like, sometimes I just... I look at the stars. Not in LA, obviously. Um, and it really does just... Your brain... That's another one of those things that connect, connects you with humans. You know, mm-hmm. looking at mm-hmm. the stars... Can you imagine? I mean, we know so much about space that there was a time when they looked up at those stars and try and delete everything you know about space and stars and Earth being round and look at the stars in your head. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, my God. Like we have. I don't know, man. I'm very I feel very blessed to be born alive like now yeah no we live in a we live in a good time man we do and a good time i'm glad you say that because i think a lot of people uh have this idea in their head that we are in crazy times which we are but it's just debate yes but doesn't mean that the rest of it's good you know overall in terms of quality of life i feel our quality of life especially for us you know in the states right now you know civilized world is really it's good obviously there's a lot of I mean, a lot of people disagree and say that, you know, mentally humans aren't really meant to live in this way and that that's why there's so much, you know. That's like a black box of mystery with the whole screen thing, you know. Yeah, when you look at like groups and tribes of people, you know, the way humans are meant to be is just within a really close, tight-knit group of like 40 people that you're, you and it's like all in all these tribes that only spend four to five hours a day actually working, like trying to survive, get Mm -hmm. all this stuff. The rest of the time, it's just, you know, and you're always put into those situations with the people around you. You fill these bonds like you're never, you know, private. Like there's never another person more than like 10 feet away from you typically. And it's like that's really how we're supposed to be. It's just surrounded at all times by people we fucking love. Tribe. And that's why it's like I think a lot of people get so depressed is because you go out and you make all these connections and, you know, friends and stuff. But it's not the same as having a tribe of people around Mm -hmm. you at all times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, now I think... uh... A double-edged sword about the internet. How are we doing on time? Oh, so I probably should cut it in... It's 54 minutes, so it's you, we can either cut it soon or in six minutes. It's up to you. Uh, let's... We can do 10 more minutes. Sorry. Yeah? Yeah, sorry. I just have to respond to this work you, text. No stuff. Uh, yeah, man. Life. 
It's pretty crazy. I think about the weekend sometimes, like how that's a completely made up concept. The band The Weeknd? Yeah. Abel, he's great. <laughs> no, like how it's a completely made up concept, us yeah. working five days a week and then having two days of rest mm-hmm. for a weekend. I mean, there is definitely- Nine hours a day. Yeah. It's definitely a oh, party. Day jobs, dude. Yeah. No. You, you have a day job? Well, I mean, my, I get to work from home, so I'm very blessed. So, I mean, yeah. I, I don't have to deal with traffic much. I do have to go to Santa Monica on Tuesdays. I just freelance a lot of stuff, so it's like not really the same for me, but that's how I feel I kind of have to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think more than ever, people want to work for themselves. Yeah. And more than ever, people are because you don't uh-huh. need to go to an office to have a computer anymore or like to get access to certain files. Everything's becoming digital and everything. Yeah. Is really, you know, it's like getting to a point where you just, why go into an office? Why have overhead at all? Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know. I, I wonder what they're going to do with all the empty malls and like office buildings and stuff. It's going to be Turn them into venues, dog. Dude, <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah. So what's it like DJing in front of people? It's fun. It's really fun. What's fun about it? I don't know, man. I mean, I've been doing it for like seven years and it was always just an extension of me, um, just wanting to produce and so i feel like you know if you want to produce and you want to play shows you have to kind of learn how to dj and do it well so you can really make it work but um for what makes a dj good versus bad um just his able his song selection is crucial i think that's the number one thing that people you know when they get into the technique side of it that they let by the wayside it's like no matter what your song selection is number one always choose the best songs if you're choosing the best songs and your mixes are shit literally no one will care because they're going to be, the second you drop that next song in, they're going to go, oh, I love this song. You got to know the room, which is really important. You got to know what people are dancing to figure out how to make them dance more. Uh, I think you got to listen to people. People don't take requests enough, which I totally understand. But at the same time, it's like sometimes those requests can be the I think the someone's beacons. dying outside. <laughs> what the hell? Jeez. Yeah, those, the people can be the, you know, the beacons of where to move forward. Um, never, never just stick with one genre, you know, I mean, obviously if you're playing like an EDM nightclub, uh, you're going to play EDM all night, obviously mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, disparaging anyone for that. But I think what's fun about being a DJ and what will really help you just get gigs on the side. Cause it's like, I don't really even have to practice the worry anymore. Cause I just did it for so long now that I can just kind of grab my shit, practice the night before and jump in. That's awesome. I did have a, a gig for USC med school. Cause one of my friends is the social chair for like this club they have there. Oh. And that was like five hours of DJing, but it was like 400 people. It was a lot of fun. I just wow. had to play a lot of top 40. So I had to get my finger on the pulse really fast there. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Do you oh, shoot? What was I going to ask people, music, responding, warming up the room, uh, producing, Damn it. Damn it. What? You had a, you had a question? I did. I, w- I was trying to ask, because you said you produce and you DJ, and you're like watching the people move. I don't know. Damn. Do you like warm up the room with some like yeah, jams? Yeah. And then Usually the 90s. If it's, it depends the party. Like uh, Definitely a top 40 party. Mm-hmm. I think something chill, like some Drake or some 90s, you know, that'll, nice. that'll really get people. Because 90s are fun because people can sing along. They recognize most of the songs if Dude, you're playing to our ni- generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 80s is too dancey. 70s is too dancey. 90s is almost like that hip-hop vibe where if you want to dance, you absolutely can and you'll be inspired to and no one's going to think it's weird because 90s songs are really fun. But you can also just jam out to them. You don't have to You don't have to dance. If you're just playing a house when people are just walking in and no one's dancing, it almost inspires people to not want to dance because then they got to be the first and you have to dance like to that music. Mm. But if you're just playing 90s, people can just kind of glide into the you know the area and then once you get a lot of people kind of you know gliding you can slowly bring that tempo up bring it wherever you need it to be do you feel like uh what what is it about edm music that you think people like i know that's such a vanilla question um well for me when i got into it seems like it connects everyone for me when i got into it yeah i think it's you know that constant rhythm there's definitely something to be said about you know thousands of people dancing um to one you know the same rhythm at once and i think what really inspires people to get into edm what really flicks the big switch for them beyond just being a fan and being really into it is going to their first you know edm event just dancing with all those people in the room everyone having a good time and certain ones are fun certain ones are a little crazy and not fun it really just depends on who you are have you done coachella and all that oh i've been to coachella like four times yeah. oh my been to lightning in a bottle i love wow. music festivals man they're so yeah. much fun see i'm so not a music festival person not like i have anything against it i just don't put aside money to like go to a, a music fest um yeah it's worth it man yeah they're fun they're is really it like fun. disneyland where 
it can really suck if you go with the wrong people. Like you got to go with people who can party with you and like you get along with. I've been very fortunate that every festival I go to, I've had some of my best friends with me. That's awesome. So that's never been that big of a concern for me. But I have heard that, yeah, if you go with the wrong people, you know, if you're if you're just going with people just for the sake of going and you don't even like the people, yeah. you're going to be in really close proximity with them. And like, unless you just want to go solo warrior the whole weekend, which is totally fine. I actually have some friends who, even with our group, a mad group of people, I have a friend who would go off, do solo time for like eight hours of the day, just because that's how he wanted to do Coachella. Wow. And that's totally fine. You just kind of do it the way you want to do it. Yeah. But if you've never been before, definitely get some of your best friends with you. And yeah. camp, camp is, camping is the way to do it. Oh, I love camping. Dude, I love camping so much. It's the best. It's do you though. find that with your knowledge of music, you've been doing it seven years and making it, I personally hate top 40s like I like all those popular artists unless I'm in an event where it's playing and people are having fun I can associate positive feelings to it yeah but dude when I'm flipping through the radio oh my god like I get so sick of it yeah and it all are, sounds the same after a while others. why is that like it all sounds yeah. the same after a while uh there's a formula to it there's definitely a formula yeah. and people kind of you see the trend you see what people like or what people are dancing to because nowadays what really it's really about what the djs will play and a lot of the djs when it comes to live stuff or even on the radio when they're just trying to play like you know the hypest stuff so they get people to listen to it while they're pregame or whatever it's like yeah a lot of times they just want the hypest stuff you can and um just stuff that anything you know like it kind of goes back to like the event thing where it's like all about that rhythm it's like you know if people feel that rhythm and it hits them in the right way they don't really care if it sounds exactly or very similar to another song they like to them that's almost even better because it's a different song but they get those same feelings mm. and it's like i think that's you'll hear a lot of you know artists going out there and you know not creating their own trends but following them and you'll see that a lot but what's cool is the artists who take those trends and then put their own spin on them and really do some work and it's like if you're kind of just like light passively listening and you're like i don't want to just you know dance right now then it's like you might not even notice the complexity behind it so you do you appreciate the top 40s now i do yeah especially just as a producer i want to make everything yeah and it's way more fun to just make everything so yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense i feel it's so funny because like i feel like i know a lot about acting and cinema but I'm very much like you're so I'm such an average audience member. Like it's crazy. I love my spoon fed plot. Like, at, you know, I like your very, very basic what everyone likes kind of popular movies. Have you watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Yeah. yeah. Hated it. <laughs> like, That's fine. It's just too artsy. You know, I, I think if I watched it again, yeah, I'd I've only watched it, it more. Once, so it was fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like things that get a little artsy. I'm just like, uh, sorry. Like, I, I don't talk in metaphor. Like, I'd rather you just tell me what's going on. You know what I mean? Word, word. Man. Um, yeah, but that's that's to each his own. Like, everyone processes art differently. I Actually, as you were talking earlier about learning music and stuff, did you know there is a, um, I can't remember the name. Damn it. We're bad at remembering names today. But dude, it's like, Anytime you learn a new skill, there's this process that you go through. The first one is being taught by someone. The second one is like you're doing it, but you still need that person's health help. The third one is like you can do it on your own, but like you said, it's very what everyone else is doing. Then as you start to master it, you can kind of put your own spin on it and then you're proficient at it. And then and it talks about the different levels of knowledge that you have as you go through those things. And it's, it's fascinating because it really does apply to snowboarding, to music, to acting, to drawing, to anything. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I love that as a human being, anything is just time input. You know what I mean? Like, you could literally be an expert doctor if you really wanted to. Yeah. You just have to put in the damn time. The subtleties really, it's the subtleties of every art are the things that you can't really explain, that you just kind of have to feel and understand. Yeah. Or even if you do yeah. explain it it's like it's hard to explain the use and like yeah there's just so much stuff that's really subconscious too like that's the thing about me is it's like i can whip songs out so much faster now because i just subconsciously have it in my i don't have to think about things as much when i do them i just kind of think like i need this now i know what to do whereas before it's like i needed this let's figure out how to do this and that's a way more time consuming process but also an extremely important process yeah so i think uh, it's just yeah you got to just put your time in know that you suck and just suck (laughs) just suck a lot because one day you won't suck and even then you're still gonna suck a lot but that's the thing is making as much as you can and then the things that don't suck those are the things that you got to let define you yeah and i think you know edit delete just 
keep going. Yeah, just never never get attached to a song. Because the biggest mistake you can make is say, oh, this is like, I've made these seven songs. I need to hold on to these as long as possible and make them every single sound. The per- Like, just put them out. Like, they mm-hmm. probably don't, they're probably not nearly as good as you think. Especially if it's like your first album. Sure. And it's like, I have friends who right. suffer from this too, where they have full albums just sitting on their computer that they finished years ago. And they should have just put them out. You know what that's called? What? Paralysis by analysis. <sighs> Do you like that? I like it. Isn't that Paralysis nice? I get that all the time. I just overthink myself into the ground. I'm like, I'm going to do some funny sketches for Instagram. And then like the more I think, I'm like, I'm an idiot. There's nothing funny about this idea. <laughs> like I stop. <laughs> I just stop. Yeah, you, know? you got to learn when to delete and you're going to have to delete a lot. Or if you really, if you, if it, yeah, sometimes we'll just save it for later, put it into a different project and then delete that yeah. project in a couple of weeks when you're less attached. Who knows? Know. Who knows, man? That, I love that, dude. Well, it was great hanging with you. I'm glad I got to come by. I'm never on this side of town. Oh, nice. nice. Is there any food nearby? Because I'm starving. Try to think. Um, might have to yelp it. Yeah, there That's is. Uh, there. <laughs> yeah. So I think the there's this place like literally up the street for me, but I'm pretty sure it's a front for drugs. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of the. I feel like every. You walk in and you're like, "Can I get this?" And they're just like, "Do we serve?" Oh yeah, we serve food. Uh-huh. And then it's like a. A piece of like meat and like a lettuce. Oh, dude! No, it's not really that bad, but, but it's like I feel it's like pretty funny. It's same with those psychic shops. Like, there's no way those people can afford rent for as long as they do. There is a psychic shop in my hometown of Pleasanton, and every time I go home, it is still fucking open. So That's I don't know insane. who the hell these middle it's a drug white front. Moms I'm telling are. you, it's a drug front. Oh God! So I uh, hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. Give them some meaning in life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least they'd be doing something for the community. Come on! <laughs> Instead of predicting its future. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered if I walk into a psychic, are they going to say, I knew you'd come? Like, that's just what I want to hear, you know? That's... If I was a psychic... That's, that's a good opening. That's what I would do. I've been expecting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, finally. <laughs> yeah, so, dude. dude, before we wrap up, um, <coughs> is there... No, you're Excuse fine. Me. I always ask people at the end of the podcast, um, is there anything that life has been teaching you? Or maybe some lessons that you've learned from life uh, recently that have maybe uh maybe change the way you tackle problems in the future yeah handle your stuff right away even if it's overwhelming just handle it handle everything because it can only bite you in the butt harder if you kind of let things go by the wayside so handle don't really take stuff, yeah, like handle everything you know I, it's one of those things where it's like people will kind of let things slip let things go and it's just like it, all it does is add to your workload later so what i'm really trying to do now is tackle things as much as possible really make sure everything's done and get stuff done as quick as i can because that's the best way to you know just move forward on everything and really you, you just got to keep moving forward you know just don't stop don't let one thing become your baby because it's like it's not and you'll always create something better the next time so. dude that's beautiful man oh thank you i tried <laughs> ah, nick siamis do you want to plug anything lonely. sir yes midnight smack soundcloud.com slash midnight smack with an m um and yeah that's pretty much it that's my music there excellent midnightsmack.com excellent you got your own website yeah i made it hot dog dude uh coming soon bloombeats.com i'm gonna be making uh selling beats for people to lease if they're a rapper and they need beats yeah nice all right you rappers out there hit up my boy nick chia chia yeah chia chia he's seriously real good though i'll have i'll have tom edit in a new song on this outro (laughs) i'll send it (laughs) yeah (laughs) dude i would man i totally would i'm actually gonna be uploading this to soundcloud can i like put you in like a link yeah i think it just i think if you put my link it'll just at me down there so dude excellent man well i'm starving I'm going to go get some grub. No worries. Yeah, I'm going to finish up work here. Yeah, but, dude. I know. I totally... Yeah, yeah. I'm like in your room. Oh, it's good. No, it's... I handled... Uh, I woke up early and handled a lot because I knew we were going to do this. So, no worries. Good, dude. Good. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for thanks for coming back, Podians. We love you. We appreciate you. I'm glad you... Uh, you know, whatever you're doing, whether it's working out, grocery shopping, living your life. Thanks for listening. Thanks for shooting the shit with boom, me, boom. Nick. Oh, of yeah, course, dude. dude. That was a lot of fun. You're a smart man. Oh, thank you, sir. You're a smart cookie. All right, man. I love you. I love you, too. Good night.